What more can one say? This is game seven. Wow, so um, there's been quite a change in the hockey landscape since our last episode. Um, there's been tire fires in cities that don't begin with an O, which is a different, which is a nice change of pace. There have been multiple players that have been announced sick or mm, possibly have COVID. And it kind of seems like the uh, return to play may not go as smoothly as we all thought. But of course, because we are a Leafs and Ottawa podcast, we're going to start with some Ottawa and Leafs news. Before we get into any of that, though, as always, please remember to like and review us on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, we're, everything that we're on. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at LittleHockeyPod. Follow Jordan and I on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's just jump right into it because we've got a lot to cover today. And... I don't know if we're going to be able to do it all in this hour. It has been a wild past couple of weeks. Um, but we'll start with a bit of light news before we get into the main topic of today. And the Hockey Hall of Fame is going to have the announcements this week. And we have uh, some arguments in our hats to throw in the ring on some people we think might should be able to make it. Right, Jordan? Yeah, that's right, Geeks. Um, so I, I know that um, our first episode, we kind of, dove into whether or not we thought Daniel Alfredson was a Hockey Hall of Famer. Um, And he's still eligible to make it this year. Um, It's... uh, Here, one sec, Geeks. All right, sorry about that, guys. Uh, So, just so you know, this is the first time uh, Jordan and I are actually in the same building recording. We're at our parents' place. Uh, rather than me being here and him being in his apartment. Yeah, that's uh, right. So we uh, we tried to figure out some ways that we could actually record in the same room, but that didn't work out because we still don't have uh, the hardware in order to support that. But uh, so we're, we're making do right now by just being in separate rooms and uh, still recording over Zoom. So hopefully things go all right with this uh, little bit of a spottier internet connection even though we're in the same building. So uh, we'll see how things go here. But yeah, uh, yeah, jumping back into what we were talking about there with uh, the Hall of Fame, um, if you want to hear our thoughts on Alfredson making it to the Hall of Fame, like you can, you can go back and check out our first episode. Uh, we don't want to get too deep into that because... Um, we've kind of uh, already covered Yeah, we've, we've already kind of touched on it. And um, there's just a lot of other stuff that we wanted to make sure that we could cover today. Yeah, just to quickly go over it, I'm just going to say... I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's the second highest point total in Swede in NHL history, only behind Matt Sundin. He's ahead of Lidstrom, the Sedins, Forsberg, Zetterberg, Backstrom, Marcus Nasland, and some other really, really good famous Swedish hockey players. Um, He's won – he did 
didn't win a lot of personal awards. The biggest personal achievement he won was the Calder in his rookie year. But he's always been an excellent leader, probably one of the best captains in, I would argue, NHL history. Like, he's, he, he's definitely up there. He's the definition of class. And you ask anyone about him, they said he was just a great person and a great ambassador of the game. So that's just quick summary. Um, if and you yeah, want to hear us go. No, yeah, you, you finished your thought, Geek. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. If you want to hear us go more in depth, again, like Jordan was saying, just go back, listen to the first episode. We talked about it there. We have a lot of other stuff we want to get to. Jordan, do you want to add something before we move on? Oh, yeah, no, just like as a Leafs fan, like my my opinion on Alfredson has changed over the last little while. Just uh, I, I used to think that like, you know, he didn't have the um, the stats or the individual awards to back up a Hall of Fame uh, induction. But, um, you know, after looking a little bit deeper into it, like, based on what the requirements are as it is, like I think he's a surefire hall of famer. It's just a matter of how long it takes because there's only so many people that get, um, that get inducted each year. And sometimes, you know, it's a case of there's somebody that made a more significant impact that is uh, up for uh, a nomination and they they just kind of edge out somebody that still has a legitimate case to be made but just maybe not as strong of one as some other guys so uh it, it it's a tough process to go through um particularly for guys like alfredson where it's like he he was he's a, a bubble yeah he's a really really good player he probably should be in the hall of fame um it's just tough when he you know the last few years he's gone up against like Martin Brodeur and um, Marty St. Louis. Marty St. Louis. Yeah. Like there's a whole bunch of surefire first ballot hall of famers going in and then Jerome McGinley this year. Yeah. This year it's, it's gotta be Jerome McGinley who's going to get in on his first try. Um, so there's only, I think one other like NHL spot that's available and he's up against some stiff competition, particularly in my opinion from Alex McGillney, um, who, who was a fantastic player above a point per game over his career and also uh, was the first player to, to uh, defect from the Soviet Union to come play in the NHL. So he has some pretty significant um, historical impact on the league that should be front and center when taking his, uh, his case into account to be a Hall of Famer. But um, yeah, yeah to, to hear a bit more on our opinions on Alfredson and the Hall of Fame, just uh, go back and listen to our first episode, as much as it pains me to say that. Yeah, our our first couple were a little rough, but yeah. I'd like to think we've improved. Yeah, I'd like to think so too. So, uh, so yeah, so let, with that, let's move on. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into the uh, Buffalo situation um, with uh, this... the the Sabers clearing house earlier this week. I think it was Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, where they they started off by firing Jason Bottrell and then uh, kind of kept it going throughout the day replacing him with Kevin Adams and uh, then apparently firing, I think another 20 some people from the organization on the hockey oper- operations side. So uh, pretty huge changes in Buffalo. And we just wanted to talk about it because it, it, it has some interesting um, parallels or comparables to things that are going or that have been going on in Ottawa and Toronto the past few years. Um, and also just because they're a, uh, you know, the Sabres are uniquely positioned as kind of a historic rival for both the Senators and Leafs. Um, with the, the Leafs, it's the, the, I think it's the Battle of the QEW or something like that. Just the, 
they're two of the closest cities together with NHL teams in the league. And um, their rivalry with Ottawa was like right around the peak of both of the team's powers in the first couple seasons post-lockout when they would battle each other um, each year in the playoffs. And then the, the Senators ended up beating them to move on to the cup final in 07. 07. Alfie's yeah. famous overtime goal. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what are your initial thoughts on it, Keeks? I've seen a lot of people compare it to Toronto back in, I think it was the, the 20... 2015. Four, yeah, the 2014-2015 season when they just scorched earth, right? Yeah, that, it was at the end of the season. Um, Peter Horacek was the interim coach after they let Randy Carlisle go. Um, they got rid of Nonis. Then they they got rid of Nonis, all of the executives. They fired all of the scouts, the entire coaching staff, just everybody, and then started over. And that's how the Leafs ended up with Mike Babcock and the and Lou Lamorello and uh, kind of the structure that they've got going right now. Yeah, the what a lot of people were saying the difference between the 2015 Leafs and the 2020 Sabres is a very key point. The 2020 Leafs were doing a complete organizational rebuild on and off the ice. The Buffalo Sabres have already supposedly already done their on-ice rebuild. This is something where they are just completely changing the behind-the-scenes and their management and hoping that these new guys can throw a, a playoff-contending team together in, in one offseason. Buffalo has two good of talents in Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, and some of the supporting cast, like Jeff Skinner, uh, Sam Yeah, Ryan, no, that, like we can get into that in a, in a minute, but yeah, like – for well, sure, it, it like Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. The problem with the team is that those two guys are standing on an island by themselves right now, with no support from any of the other guys. Like yeah. Jack Skinner is is a serviceable NHL uh, and a serviceable forward. It's making nine million a season or something for the next six years after this one, six or seven. Well, I mean, if he stays at a plus thirty goal pace, thirty five, forty goal pace, it's worth it. But he's sure. got to play with Eichel. Yeah, but he played with Eichel this season, and I think he got like, I don't even think he hit 15 goals. Well, no, he was a um, he was a third line player under uh, Kruger. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, he didn't play top six because well, uh, he he didn't uh, he didn't immediately respark his chemistry with Eichel at the beginning of the year, and Kruger demoted him and just kept him down. Yeah. But well, again, with with the organizational rebuild, uh, doing it on the office side of things rather than the on ice is GMs take longer to make their impact than coaches do usually. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. Coaches can make a change almost immediately. It changes the locker room. It changes the day-to-day with the players and it can really change the atmosphere around their team on the ice with management. They have to look at others and they have to look at the snares in different way. You know, they don't control how the players, players play the systems they use he, they just go out and they try to get the assets in the coach's hands to, in order to make a successful team and it can take time to get those assets and to develop those assets now you can look at buffalo's uh drafting and scouting record over the last you could even say 10 years and it's been genuinely bad oh yeah that- for sure beyond darlene and uh, eichel maybe um they've got They've got Sam Bennett, right? Sam Bennett? Sam Reinhardt. Bennett is on Calgary. That's right. I couldn't remember which Sam they had. Um, 
yeah, like he he didn't turn out the way that they were hoping he did in terms of a high end score, but he seems to be like a serviceable middle Second six, line. yeah, middle six type player. Um, he's not putting up a ton of points, but I don't really think he's like an anchor on any line he's on. Um, no, he's a 50-55 point player, but that, that's about it. A good it's not, player. It's not the kind of return you want out of a second overall pick. But... No, because he was uh, right after Ekblad? I think the... so. Yeah, he was the 2014 draft, right? Yeah. But yeah, like, with the players that they have, they have no hits outside of the first round other than uh, Victor, Ol- Victor Olofsson. That's Victor right. Olofsson? Yeah. Uh, who was a like a 2012 or 2013 fourth round pick and he's just now starting to make his way in the nhl i get some players take a little longer but you got to do better than one hit yeah and that's the same problem that edmonton has had for the last like 14 years too is that they've got all these first overall picks that have turned out but nothing beyond that yeah Um, so the the sabers are kind of in the same boat there and yeah to kind of pull it back to the comparison to what toronto did in 2015 it's like you said the the leafs did an entire organizational rebuild um, on ice, in the locker room, in the executive office, and scouting, everything. Um, and it changed the entire culture of the, the organization, uh, at least from, the, from an outside view it did. And it, it changed everything on the ice for them too. It, it was just a whole different mindset and it changed everything. But with the Sabres their ownership is saying that they're not, they don't feel like they're still a rebuilding team. So they're, they're trying to restructure their entire or off ice organization while they still, while they think that they're um, in their competitive window. Um, and it, it's just, you know, this is the third time that they've done it in, in the last like seven years. So it's, this is obviously the most um, intense version of it that the most thorough version of it that they've done but it it's it's just like at, at a certain point like yeah you, you you have to think at what point does jack eichel ask or demand to leave like he he's not he's obviously frustrated already and it's he's only been there for five years remember last year when we were talking about Connor mcdavid may ask for a trade out of edmonton hey no, how is like, How has Jack Eichel not already asked for a trade out of Buffalo? Yeah, because Buffalo's had even less success. At least McDavid has played playoff games up until now. <laughs> yeah, had, it, they had that one run in the playoffs, and that's it. And yeah. uh, Eichel hasn't even gotten close to them. Well, and McDavid's in it again this year. And McDavid yeah. has Dreisaitl to help well, him with the he, offense, right? He's not in the playoffs yet. Yeah, he has a chance to be in it with the playing round but like that's another thing like Eichel looks at his peers from even just the 2015 draft and a lot of them have a secondary player that they can rely on to help take some of the burden like yeah. again like we said McDavid has Dreisaitl you look over and Toronto and Toronto has Mitch Marner Austin Matthews William Nylander John Tavares and a slew of other high-end talents to help help each other uh who else is there uh Carolina got Timo Teravainen and Sebastian Ajo in that same draft. Yeah. Um, well, I think Teravainen was drafted by so, Chicago. Teravainen was traded to them. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think it, like a, a lot of other teams who were in the basement of the league at around the same time as the Sabres have turned themselves around or seemingly turned themselves around. Um, and the, the Sabres 
are closer to where they were in 2015 than where the other teams are now. Yeah. Like the they, Sabres have had the least amount of progression since then. Yeah. From their historically bad season, they have – from their historically bad season, in order to draft well and progress, they have progressed very little. Yeah. And I've seen some people compare the um, – oh, what's their owners? What are the owners? Oh, the, the Pagulas. Pagulas, thank you. Is it Pagulas or Bugulas? Is it it's a, with a P. It is a P? P. Oh, okay, I've been mishearing it this entire time. Well, either way, the Pagulas, I've heard people try to compare them to Melnick as, oh, these are the worst owners in, in the NHL right now. It's like, no, 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 no. No, you – there's a yeah. difference between mismanaging and whiffing on uh, drafting than there is to threatening to move your team during an outdoor game. Yeah, like I, I think the the Pagulas might be on the road to where Eugene Melnick is sitting right now, but they've still got That's... a lot of hard miles in order to to catch up with him. Like, the it's let let's entertain the idea that the Pagulas are the second worst owners in the league. It's Which is still, still debatable. It's still by miles, uh, Eugene yeah. Melnick's crown, like. The, the, if the Pagulas want the throne, they're going to have to take a real shot at Malnick. They're going to have to start threatening to move the Sabres during uh, the Sabres' outdoor game. Um, they're going to have to drive all of the star players away once you know they acquire more than two of them. Um, I, I guess they, they may have already um, uh, broken some uh, relationships with the, the franchise's past stars, like... Uh, I think Pat LaFontaine was working for the team for like 20 minutes and then he quit. Um, <laughs> I, didn't hear about I, that. I don't know if like, I don't know how many other Sabres alumni are involved with the team. I, I don't follow them that closely, but like Alfredson with the senators, he, he left in free agency um, retired after signing that one day contract with the senators and worked in the, uh, like the front offices with the team for like a year and then left again because of Melnick. So twice in within a few years, Daniel Not- Alfredson leaves the team because he's like, I can't deal with Melnick. And then he goes and talks um, to the mayor or um, some reporters at a political event saying like, yeah, I, I'm not going to be involved with the team until Melnick's gone or something along those lines. Yeah. Which, you know, valid. Yeah, no, it, it's totally fine. But, yeah, if the Pagulas, if Sabres fans are, are saying that the Pagulas are giving Eugene Melnick a run for his money as the worst owners in the league, like, it's, <laughs> you know, it would be saying, like, I'm giving Usain Bolt a run for his money in, in a race. Like, sure, I could be the second fastest person on the planet, but if, if I'm still not, uh, I'm, I'm still not close to uh, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Uh, the well, Pagoulas like, Pagul- are not close to Eugene Melnick. No, Melnick fired Jim Little because Jim Little said, hey, you're doing a shitty job as owner. Yeah. Um, Melnick fired his personal jet pilot after she put in her two-week resignation because she had the, the audacity to quit. Yeah. And then he didn't pay her the money that she was owed. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, I think I, I I made up a little list, a short list of some things that I could remember off the top of my head that Melnick has done. So this during, isn't it all. Yeah, this isn't all of it. This is what I could remember off the top of my head. 
um, during the 2017 NHL 100 Classic celebrations on the eve of the actual outdoor game. He threatened to move the team unless uh, if things turned into a disaster. Uh, the failure of the LeBreton Flats Arena deal and sub- subsequent lawsuit, uh, subsequent billion-dollar lawsuit against him. Um, the revolving door of executives: Tom and Selmy, um, Jim Little. All, like the, uh, there was a bunch of executives that were with the team when it was first founded. I think Cyril Leader was uh, was the guy that had that position, CEO or whatever, and he was yep. fired of, of like a while ago and he was involved in a lawsuit against Melnick. I believe it was um, Sierra Leader anyways. Um, he's been sued or is currently being sued by a casino, former almost a corporate pilot, and the, Le- uh, the LeBreton Flats partners. So the casino one's interesting because that... It's, it's also only for $900,000. Only, in quotations. Uh, yeah, like that, before- that, that's, a, that's a rookie. A rookie's... Uh, one year of a rookie salary like yeah mo- most billionaires would be like nine hundred thousand dollars okay fine whatever yeah that's a percentage of a percentage of their net worth yeah. but Melnick's Melnick and he wants every single dime and penny that he can get his hands on and he doesn't want to give them out to anyone regardless of who they are or what he legally owes them yeah exactly and then uh, so some other things Alfrey's um divorced from the organization twice um his cost per point and five years of unparalleled success quotes. Yeah, those were bad. Kyle Turris, Eric Carlson, Matt Duchesne, and Mark Stone departures all within a year and a half of each other. Yeah, now you could throw Hoffman in there, I guess, but that wasn't so much. I, I don't think that was a Melnick thing. The others, I think, were all Melnick related. Yeah, 100%. Um, Reports of the team being entirely alienated from the local business community. Um, Like I've read some articles about the high tech community in Western Ottawa, like Canada and Stittsville, right around where the arena is. And none of those companies are sponsoring or or partnered with the senators because none of them want to work with him. Yeah. He does a big tell on Melnick's state with the, with the city of Ottawa is he refuses to talk to Ottawa media. He goes on Toronto radio more than he goes on Ottawa radio. If he ever goes on Ottawa radio. Yeah. Like he, he very much seems like a leaf homer. Like he, he has season tickets for the Maple Leafs and he shows up to Ottawa just to stir the pot and cause more issues. Well, like for the longest time, he would just, he would be in the Bahamas for the entire year and then pop in every so often. And it's like, you know what, that was probably better for the team that he was just gone and not involved in anything. Cause now he's got his hands in everything. And not only is he meddling too much, like he's squeezing every penny until you know, he's trying to make it bleed. Well, a big issue is um, Melnick actually, I think it was in either 2016 or 2017 was is legally uh what was it legally told that he was not allowed to be a high-ranking executive in any canadian corporation yes that's why he's not for five years yeah yeah that was after the BioVail stuff yeah so i'm kind of thinking that all the energy he was putting into mismanaging and doing some really crooked shit in his uh businesses because he's not allowed to do that for the last few years he's focusing all that to ottawa to the senator's organization that's just my theory and And then then, oh yeah no you got 
And then the this year, it came out with the Sense Foundation, that whole mess where he was charging them rent, which he tried to justify and saying, well, it's lower than what rent usually is, is for a, a facility such as the one that the Sense Foundation were using, which is like, okay, sure. But you know what? It is however much you're making a paying rent was more than what any other NHL team was making their charity pay rent. Uh, yeah, like the Sense Foundation was the only uh, uh, charity involved with an NHL team that had to pay rent for their facility. Yeah, and from what I heard, it was like it wasn't common practice, at least for for what the the Senators' relationship to their Sense Foundation was in terms of the finances going back and forth. Um, because there were a bunch of corrections made to that initial Ottawa Sun article that came out. Um, yeah, like uh, how they, after raising a million dollars, they didn't they didn't donate five thousand of it. They actually donated twenty thousand of that one million dollars. Well, the other thing with that too is that the Organ Project's um, mission or, or their their goals and everything, the the foundation isn't set up to distribute funds to other organizations. It's like an awareness raising foundation so they they may have given five thousand dollars away to another organization with similar goals but supposedly they're putting the money that they raise towards actual awareness campaigns yeah so they're not donating it to like research and development or anything they're yeah just putting, but but they're i kind of like recycling the money that they make into more and more um like you said awareness well yeah like it, they're a a foundation or a charity, right? So they're they're raising money in order to use it on a, a campaign to raise awareness about organ donation. Um, but yeah, I have read some things. I, I'm not confident enough in my understanding of them to like explain them. But it, yeah, it seemed like there's still some discrepancy between what the organ project says is charitable or like foundation related spending and what um what they actually do but the biggest thing was when this info came out with between melnick and the sense foundation the biggest telling point was no one was surprised yeah exactly the, no one was shocked by it it was like oh yeah that sounds terrible and absolutely possible yeah so when the to bring this back to buffalo when the pagulas do something like this or like anything else that we mentioned on this list of melnick atrocities when they do a slew of things like this and the Buffalo fans no longer are surprised by it. That's when you can throw them in the ring of worse owners in the NHL. Yeah. Right now it's at the point of they're, they're meddling owners that are screwing things up. That's yeah. bad. You, you yes. don't, you don't want owner. Yeah. You don't want the people at the very top of your organization that don't have the skills or knowledge or expertise, um, to be playing around in hockey operations, you don't want them doing that. You don't want them telling your general manager what players to acquire and that they have to sign certain guys. Um, you don't want them going down to the coaches and being like, hey, we, we want the team to play a 1-3-1 uh, system on the, on the um, forecheck or on, on defense. We want to make sure that we're trapping because we've, we've read that that's good. It's like, you know what, you, you guys... The owners, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's their toy to play with, so technically they're free to do whatever you want. But if you want to run a successful organization, you hire people, you trust them um, 
to do their jobs and you give them the support that they need in order to make sure that they can do it the, to the best of their abilities and represent your organization well. Um, if you don't trust anybody to do anything, don't hire anybody, do it yourself. Because um, what it seems like is that the Pagulas are hiring puppets and telling them to do things. And then those puppets just go and do them because they're controlled by the owners. Um, that's kind of the prevailing thought about what Kevin Adams is right now, is that he's, he's a yes man. He's a ventriloquist for the Pagulas right now. He's a, a ventriloquist dummy and, you know, his mouth is moving, but it's the Pagula's voice and words that are coming out. I, I'm so sick of talking about bad owners. Just from, again, the last few years of, with Melnick, whenever I see anything like this and everyone just starts bitching and complaining, I'm just like, yeah, you don't have it that bad. Yeah, no, exactly. When, when, Sabres, when, when somebody in the Sabres fan community um, raises enough money to buy a whole bunch of billboards around the city with hashtag Pagulas out, you know what, then maybe we can have a conversation about who the worst owner in the league is. But uh, until, you know, until the time when the, the Sabres publicly divorce from their um, affiliated charity, um, they, they um, explicitly threaten to move the team unless more people come to the games. Um, and basically tell their star and franchise players to F off. Yeah, you, you're going you're gonna to take... Uh, whatever money I offer you or you're going to be gone like yeah uh, until those things start happening then it's it's still Melnick's crown to wear good try though yeah yeah good try you Sabres fans like you know you, you've still got a few more years before you can join in on the Sens fans pity party with regards to their ownership I'm so sick of it because I, I want to go see games, but I can't justify spending the money to help that man. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of being sick, um, apparently there's 11 NHL oh players <laughs> uh, that have tested positive for COVID over the last couple of days. Um, and I think they're primarily in Florida and Arizona, um, which from my understanding are total shitholes when it comes to uh, the response to COVID-19 right now. So it's, it's not surprising that a ton of professional athletes are testing positive in areas where a ton of regular people are also testing positive. Um, so yeah, Geeks, what, what do you think? Do you think the league can come back? I, can they? Yeah, I, I don't know if I have the medical knowledge to say whether they can or not. Should they? Absolutely not. Like we were saying this when, um, they were just uh, the um, uh, return to play was still in the conversation. Like before they announced that they're coming back, we were saying like, ah, this isn't the right idea medic, like health wise. And all this is doing is proving us right. Yeah. Like, uh, like for example, the lightnings organization alone, they have three players and two staff members that tested positive. Yeah. And they that's the thing. I think that that release about 11 people was only players. I don't think the NHL, um, released how many staff members have uh, tested positive because you know it, it it's at least 13 people total we know that yep and that's what five percent 11 people out of 200 it's five yeah. percent that's enough it's enough to grow oh well and, especially and because like, we 
if you listen to the 31 thoughts podcast this week, they had uh, an epidemiologist on and he, he's been um, working with the NFL for the last few years. And he was talking about, uh, you know, what the line is like, what, what, what's the number of positive cases that should shut or that should or could shut things down. And he's like, you know, I don't really have a number because, you know, one, one case isn't going to do it. Um, what concerns people in the medical field, from my understanding, is when you start seeing clusters of players and staff from the same organization or in the same area, area all testing positive, that is cause for concern. And we're seeing that. We're seeing on-ice players, off-ice staff and officials, they're the ones like in Florida, it was a mix of players and team staff that uh, tested positive. So that's a red flag. Um, it, it, I think it, it might be more of a red flag for the NBA who's trying to actually have their return to play in Florida. Like the NHL is, is just letting teams um, practice right now. Yeah, practice in their home cities right now. I think the better option is to move, is to tell all of the players like, here are the hub cities get there now quarantine or lockdown whatever self-isolate for two weeks and then start training in that city that you're going to be playing in i think that would be a better solution than what they've got right now um which is like the u.s is just not doing anything at this point for covid um they're gonna they're gonna keep they really don't seem to care no they don't give a shit they don't give a shit. Um, and apparently it's looking more and more likely that if the, the NHL does come back, because it's still an if, right? Like they've given out dates and they've given out uh, formats on how they would come back, but it's still if. Yeah. Like if, if this gets worse and if more and more players start testing positive, then there's no way they can come back. So if the NHL does come back, it seems more likely that it'll be in Canadian hub cities. And that, that's something that I think they need to consider more is that I don't think they're going to realistically be able to have an American hub city. I think they're yeah, going to have to do it in like Toronto and one of the Alberta cities. Um, just because like Canada's handling this better than the States. Like we're not perfect by any means. Like, our, our cases still aren't dropping to the levels where a lot of other countries are at this point. But we're not like New Zealand where we're officially COVID free. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I think it would be a lot safer for the players uh, to, um, to come up here and play as opposed to, yeah, going outside at all in Florida. Yeah, it seems like you walk outside and you're just going to breathe in the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, well, we can quickly touch because the one, the only player that has been named as reportedly having tested positive for COVID is Austin Matthews. Um, How does that make you feel? Uh, well, it, it's not great. I hope I hope that he's doing all right. If it if it's true, and if it's not true, like man, that that guy's my king. I I don't want that guy to suffer at all. I just want good things for him. Um, but. Yeah, it's one of those tricky things, especially because of the source that it came out of. Uh, the release of the player's name actually it, it got a lot of heat just because I was seeing a lot of people talk about, like, you know, 
a positive test for COVID isn't like, a, you know, a knee injury or something or a back injury. It's not related to his play on the ice. Um, that's a, it's uh, personal private medical information. So why somebody thought it was a news scoop to just release it, especially seeing as he wasn't the only person that knew. He was just the only person that put it out. Do you want to say his name? Uh, it's fucking Steve Simmons, man. <laughs> I didn't know if you were purposely trying to avoid saying his name for any reason or if you're just uh no like I was just, I'm figuring that a lot of people already know but people that are like like me on Twitter a lot and following hockey people um yeah you see a lot of hate for Steve Simmons just because like he's kind of got a reputation on online as being like a lazy reporter even though he's not he's more of a columnist than a reporter he doesn't really do news he does opinion um but a lot of his opinions are outdated outdated stale um thin and they're they're just built on like a weak foundation of arguments and uh information like he he's the guy who's responsible for the infamous phil kessel loves hot dogs article which turned out to be entirely false and it just turned out that he did no actual research into it. It was a, a hot tip from a friend of a friend type thing. And then it fell apart from there. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are calling out saying that like, it's, it's not great. At, at best, it's not great that uh, the news came from someone outside of the organization. And at worst, it's, uh, it's awful that it was released at all. It makes me kind of wonder if, like, for argument's sake, let's say it is Austin Matthews, let's say he has it. Even after he does the 14-day uh, quarantine, how would that make uh, fellow Leafs player Andreas Janssen feel? Because he has asthma. And if he gets COVID, he's at a high risk. Yeah. Um, at, at that point, you have, like, as – the team officials have to then I would think consult with doctors to be like, is it safe to bring somebody that had that had COVID-19 into this kind of environment? And then, you know, they, they determine what the risk level is. And then you have to inform Andreas Janssen, like, this is the risk level. Are you okay accepting that amount of risk? Yeah. And then, you know, he's, he's an adult. He's got to make his own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I honestly, I have no idea what, um, what the chances or possibility are of infecting somebody after you've recovered from COVID. Who knows how long it stays in your system after you stop showing symptoms. I don't know. Um, So it's hard to answer that question, but uh, yeah, it's something to consider is like, do the players on his team feel safe? Do the players on the other team feel safe? Cause they're still going to be coming into contact with him too. Yeah. So I, I, don't think from you know from a lot of what i've seen it doesn't seem like you can um spread coronavirus after you've recovered from it it seems like it's just not in your system anymore or it's not contagious um but again i'm not a health expert i don't really know and the last thing you want to do is get your friend and teammate who's at a high risk uh this kind of uh, is it, is it, it's considered a disease, right? It's a virus. It's a virus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you 
really want to give them this virus knowing that they could be at a high risk of having more severe side effects than you are. I know I'd feel pretty shitty about that. Yeah. Now, how is it going to affect the dr- – this is what I'm wondering. How is it going to affect the draft if uh, they have the lottery, a placeholder team wins one of the three lottery spots, and then it gets announced at the play-in rounds and that the return to play isn't going to happen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I would think in that case – They just go by point percentage, and if you happen to be that team – team in that spot in the placeholders congratulations that's what i would think or no i i think they would they would kind of go on to that next phase of the draft lottery um because yeah you you know how after the qualifying round the losers go into the um those placeholder spots and then they're in a lottery if one of those placeholder spots wins the lottery uh, there's another lottery to determine who wins that spot as the placeholder team. Um, yeah. So I think that's what would happen is that, um, you know, they would just... we, we hold the lottery next Friday. We find out that placeholder team D wins first overall pick. And then the following week, we find out that the NHL is not returning to play. They're going to cancel the rest of the season and playoffs. Um, and then I think that's when they rank the teams by, um, uh, by points percentage, and then they have another lottery to determine who placeholder team D is, just based off yeah. of that. Man, this is this is it's not really confusing. It's just there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of if if thens, and I'm just um, as a sense fan, like I have the only thing I'm concerned about, obviously, is the draft. Yeah, exactly, like, and I want. And- I want the players to stay healthy. I don't want anyone to get sick. God forbid. I, I don't want anyone to pass away from something like this. I mean, uh, no one in the NHL. And it's just – to it, me, it, it just seems like a bigger problem to keep it going than it would be to just say, cancel the season, do the draft, we'll wait this out. Right? Yeah. I don't know. That's just – I. We said that last time, and if it comes back and if it's safe to come back, again, I'm going to watch every game of every series because I love hockey and I miss it, but I don't want it to come back and threaten uh, the lives of the, the, uh, the players and the staff. Or the general public, too, because like those... Or the general public. Because who, who knows who the players are interacting with or where they're going when they're not on the ice, like... There, there's a whole bunch of different things. All it takes is one person sneaking out of the hotel and going to a bar in order to infect a hundred other people, right? That's all. Sure. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't know uh, if these yeah, jokes we can add. Like, I can hear I, it in both of I, our voices. I know, that yeah, we're just like, sick of it. Well, it's been three months of this already, and it, it's just that, like you said, it's the unknown of it all, right? It's every single hockey um, content producing person or site is, is just churning out stuff about what happens if this happens and what happens if that happens. And it's like, okay, just tell me for sure one thing, please. <laughs> for God's sake. Make yeah. So that, that's mind. what's nice about the draft lottery next Friday. At least we can get excited about that happening for sure. 
speaking of, um, we want to do something really fun for the draft lottery, and we should probably mention that. Yeah, that's right. We we're gonna um, we're gonna record a bonus episode. We actually upgraded our uh, podcast hosting service just for this reason. Uh, we want to have um, some extra content to put out, so we're gonna be recording a live reaction while Keegan and I are both watching the draft lottery unfold. So uh, hopefully we'll have some like commentary going along with what we're seeing on the screen. And, um, you know, you, hopefully you can listen to it back after the, um, the draft lottery is done. And it, you know, ideally it's going to be entertaining and fun, but uh, we'll, you know, we're, we're excited to branch out and try some, some new stuff here. Yeah. I just, I wanted to mention that uh, it's going to be really exciting. We haven't quite figured out exactly how we're going to do it, but yeah. we are doing it. Uh, uh, we'll post some stuff out on our social media and on the podcast social media when we have a plan so that you guys know and you can follow us along. Um, you should watch it for the main main thing that uh, I am a maniac when it comes to the draft lotteries, and I go effing insane. I remember watching it in 2018 when Ottawa was trying to get the first round pick or first overall pick and just like running up and down my house waiting just in anticipation. And I don't know, I get very emotional and very energetic and I've been told that I'm really frustrating to sit next to, which means it's going to be really fun for anyone else to watch. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else we can add to the, just to quickly go back. I don't think there's much else we can add to the um, uh, conversation of, covid and the nhl and if they should come back or not we yeah. made our stance on it pretty clear and with this it just seems to be reaffirming what we said before just fucking call it already yeah like I, i'm i'm kind of in between call it and um i can see a path back to playing because i do think that the current environment that players are currently playing and practicing in is not the same as what um, in a perfect world, they're going to be in for the hub cities and the qualifying round. Um, it's just a matter of actually getting to the point of all of the players being in those hub cities. First off, where are they located? Are it's the um, you know the new cases per day in those cities? Is it going to be closer to what it is in Florida or closer to zero? Like who? We don't. We don't. We've just been hearing rumors about where these hub cities are going to be. So until we know for sure, um, you know, that, that path back to actually playing seems pretty foggy. Um, but I, I still think it's there. Um, the, you know, there's kind of two questions of can the league start up again and should they start up again? And I, I think the answers to both questions are different. Like, yes, they can start. Should they? Probably not. Now, are they going to do their? Are they going to start training camps on July tenth, like they announced? That's up in the air now. Yeah, because those, those players have to self isolate for two weeks now, and you know, uh, I'm not. I don't have a calendar in front of me. I don't know exactly how far away June tenth is or July tenth is from right now, but it's got to be like, you know, inching really close to exactly two weeks here. Um, two weeks from today is July fourth. Okay, so three weeks so it's three weeks so any players that test positive this week will likely are boned yeah will likely miss the start of that training camp 
if it's if it goes ahead and starts on July 10th. Um, but yeah, Keegs, you're right. I don't think there's anything else we can add on here. And we want to get to a new segment that we're going to be doing every week here. Something a little more lighthearted with all this doom and gloom. That's right. Something a little bit more lighthearted and fun. And I've, uh, so I've actually designed this. Um, Keegan doesn't really have an idea of what this is. I'm going to reveal it to him live on the show here. Um, this is going to be interesting. So this is going to be a game that we play towards the end of every episode. I've named it the double agent game. Um, for people that listen to other podcasts, you'll recognize it as, I believe they called it name Pat Falloon from uh, the Puck Soup podcast, which that, that was an adaptation of Doug Benson's The Leonard Malton Game from Doug Loves Movies, if you've ever listened to that. So what this, the way this game is going to work is I have a list of 33 players and goalies that have played at some point in their careers for both the Toronto Maple Leafs and the, Sen the Ottawa Senators. Okay, so in the history of the world, there have been 33 players that have played for the Sens and Leafs. Okay. Keegan's job is going to be to guess which player I am describing. I have 13 clues. They are the same for each and every player. I will give the first three to Keegan right away. So those first three clues are the player's current age, how many games they played in their career, and the most recent team they played for. Okay? okay. So for every player, you get those three. Current age, number of games played, and their most recent team. Okay. After that, I've got 10 remaining clues, and Keegan's job is going to be to bet how many clues he thinks it is going to take him in order to correctly guess the player that I've got. So the first of those 10 clues is uh, their amateur team, followed by height and weight, draft position, draft team, the years that they played in the NHL. So that's just their, the years that their career spanned. Mm -hmm. Combined points that they scored with Ottawa and Toronto. Oh, for both. For both. It's combined points. Okay. Their nationality. Ooh. Their best individual season. So that one is a little bit uh, subjective based on what I think their best season would be. Uh, so it could be the most points they got. Um, you know, for goalies, it could be their best save percentage or most shutouts, most games they played, most wins. So it, it's kind of uh, a little bit subjective and tricky there. Yeah, but you're not going to give me their stats, just the year. I'm right? not giving you their stats, just the year. Okay. Um, the stats may give it away. That's right. Especially if it's a goalie and you say their best year was 2010 when they had a 930 save percentage. Like, yeah, no, oh, I'm, okay. I would just say 2010, 2011 or whatever. Okay. Okay. Then the next clue, you would get a choice. Okay. You would either get the jersey number that they wore for the Senators or the jersey number they wore for the Leafs. You would get okay. either one. And I'm excited. And finally, the last clue would be every NHL team they played for. Huh. All right. Okay. All right, let's do this. I got it. All right. So I've actually made up a way that uh, people listening at home can play too. Oh, how did you do that? So what I've done is I've made a bunch of um, 
images for the podcast's Instagram stories. So if you want to play along, just uh, pause the show uh, and go to our Instagram at littlehockeypod and uh, check out our stories. The first, um, the first uh, image in our story is going to be our uh, or the description of the game. The second is the rules, and the third is uh, the first actual picture for the game. So what you do there is uh, you you take a screenshot of it and you put your bet in the bottom right corner, the, the bottom right box, and you have to tag two friends as well. Just, uh, you know, for the, the whole Instagram thing. That seems to be the, the way you get followers and whatnot. I love how you're specifying no Googling. Yeah, don't Google. All right, here, uh, Keegs, I'm just going to pause the pod for one second. Yep. And we're back again. All right, so the third image in our Instagram story is going to be the first, um, the first three clues, as well as your bet of how many more clues you think you can get. Um, you also have to tag two friends on it. So you take a screenshot of it directly from um, the, the podcast Instagram story, and then you share it on your own story. You <laughs> fill in your bet and your two friends, okay? And then just watch the rest of the, or, or watch each of the clues. And then when you think you've figured out what player it is, reply to that clue, okay? So if it's, you know, if you think you have a guess on the amateur team, uh, reply to that amateur team story, uh, and you'll be entered in. And if you beat Keegan, then you will be uh, mentioned and shout. you'll get a shout out on the next episode. All right. So, Sounds good to me. So what I'm going to do is uh, each time I am going to give you an option of A, B, or C. And then okay. you tell me which one of those you want, and that will determine which player you're going to be trying to guess. Okay? Works for me. All right. So... Uh, a, B, or C. Uh, let's do B. I feel like we should have like game music or something. We should look into that. Tell you what, we'll, we'll crowdsource that. If anybody wants to make some game show music for us, uh, please feel free. Okay, so you have picked B, and that is player number 20 on my list here. Okay, so this player, his current age is 51. Holy shit, I'm not going to get this. <laughs> okay. The number of games he played in the NHL, 1,417. All right, so it's a player, not a goalie. He most recently played for the Ottawa Senators. How many guesses do you think you can get this person in? You can go zero to ten. <sighs> Seven. Okay. I'm going to say it's going to take me about seven more clues. Seven more clues. Okay. If I can get it earlier, that'd be great, but I'm saying seven. All right. So, folks at home, you can go directly to our Instagram story. I'm uploading it now live on the show. So, let's go. Oh, then I'm going to make sure not to look at it. Yeah. Don't. Uh... <laughs> no cheating. 
Yeah, exactly. So, well, the, the answer is not being uploaded. I'm going to upload each of the clues. Okay. Okay. So 51 years old, 1,417 games played, most recently for the Ottawa Senators. His amateur team is the Peterborough Peets of the OHL. Sure. That's, <laughs> that's not going to help me at all. Fuck. All right. Next, next one. Next one. Okay. Height and weight. He is six foot three, 208 pounds. He's not small. He's 50. Say he retired in his mid 30s, which was. So he last played for Ottawa probably in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Okay, uh, keep going. Keep going. Um, draft position. First round, seventh overall. First round, seventh overall? Jesus. Yeah. I have a guy in mind, but I don't think he's old enough. And I don't know if he – I think he played for both. Do I only get one guess? Um, for today, we'll say, uh, we'll say you get three guesses, but hopefully uh, in the future you get better at this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm overdue. It's not Lecision, is it? Curtis Lecision? Yeah. It's not Curtis Lecision. Okay. He did play for both, didn't he? No. No? No. Oh, I thought he did. Wow, that's embarrassing. Okay, next okay. next one. All right. Your next one. His draft team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he was drafted by Toronto. He last played for Ottawa. He played over 1,400 games in the NHL. And he's 51. Played for the Peets. <sighs> Seventh overall. I'm going to need the draft gear. Damn it. All right, next question. Years played. Okay, there we go. 1988 to 2009. Yeah. Oh, he played later than I thought he did. And he, most, and he played for Ottawa in 2009. Who the hell played for Ottawa in 2009 and retired that year? Shit, that was right before I really started paying attention. Ah. <sighs> uh. Uh, this is a lot more frustrating than I thought it would be. Um, how many more hints do I have? I uh, said seven. You said seven, so one, two, three, four, five. You're on number five. You get combined points and nationality. <sighs> Give me the combined points. 2009 in Ottawa. Okay, combined points. Yep. With Ottawa and Toronto, 59. What? Oh, so he wasn't on there for long. Who was a rental for Ottawa in 2009? Well, and remember, he, he also played for Toronto, too. So some of those points are with the Leafs. I have a guy in mind, but I think 2009... No, he played after 2009, and I don't think he played for the Leafs. So I was thinking Kovalev, but it's like, no, Kovalev played into the early 2010s, and I don't think he ever played for the Leafs. Or if he did, I don't remember. And he played multiple seasons in Ottawa. So it's not Kovalev. Give me his nationality. Canadian. Fuck! Yeah, no, why, why would you think that would help you? 
Well, I don't know. Maybe if he's like a specific European, you never know, right? All right. So he was drafted in '89, seventh overall by Toronto. He played with. Well, we remember Leafs. he he played for the Leafs, or he uh, he played in he the was Leafs. Drafted by the Leafs. Drafted by the Leafs, but he played in the league from 1988 to 2009. I played for 20 years. Who the? Why this should not be difficult? Who has played for that long and has played for both Ottawa and Toronto? Like, I feel like there's only one or two answers, if that. And yet I can't effing get it. Uh, combined 59 points. I will tell you, the, you're, you're likely going to be mad at yourself. Is It's going to be something super obvious. I know. I know it's going to be someone super obvious, and I hate it. And I hate it a lot. Uh, so yeah just uh, uh, here I'll, I'll go back on the clues here okay okay yeah, one sec so 51 years old 1417 games played most recently with the senators his junior team was the peterborough peets of the ohl he, he's listed at six foot three, two hundred and eight pounds. Drafted in the first round, seventh overall by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Played in or played from nineteen eighty eight to two thousand and nine, and he scored a combined fifty nine points with the Sens and Leafs. And he's Canadian. And he's Canadian. Yeah. Because that's helpful. Yeah, really, eh? Yeah, that's right. I believe that's how it's supposed to work. <sighs> I, I, for whatever reason, I just, I can't think of anyone who's played for both teams that would be that old now. Like, this is not... <sighs> he last played in 2009... And if he's 51 now, then he must be in, in, in like his like um, 30s or 40s. Well, that, or was ele- 40. that was 11 years ago, so he probably retired at 39 or 40. So you did, you, you're not going to make your seven clues. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going because, yeah, I ain't getting this. Okay. Uh, his best season is 1991-1992. And again, that could be total number of points they scored. It could be, um, you know, wins or shutouts or anything. They could have won a trophy that year. Like, there's one guy I'm thinking of because it was around that time that Luke Richardson went from being um, on the team to coaching. But I don't think he was that old. And I don't, and I, if he played for the Leafs, I don't freaking remember it, but he was a defenseman and he didn't get a lot of points. But I don't know how old he was. And I don't know if he played for the Leafs, but that is the only guy from that team that I could think of that would be that old. Because I'm pretty sure Dean McCammon wasn't on the team at that point. And even then, I don't think Dean McCammon was that old. I think he was in like his early 30s at the times. Uh, and again, I don't think he played for Toronto. It's not Martin Gerber because he didn't play 1,400 games. And he definitely didn't get 59 points. He definitely didn't get 59 points. That would be wild. <sighs> 
It wasn't Volchenkov because he was too young and he never played for the Leafs. It wasn't Chris Phillips for the same reasons. It wasn't Alfredson for the same reasons. And plus, Alfredson stopped playing in 2013 or 2014, sorry. There's got to be someone on that team I'm not thinking of. Well, do you want to make a guess? This is, this is that was eight clues because you gave me his um. Yeah, you're you're on eight right? clues, so you've already lost. Yeah, fucking Luke Richardson. I don't know. You're correct. Fuck off. Yeah, Luke Richardson. He played for the Leafs. He was drafted by the Leafs. Yeah, he played for the Leafs twice, actually. Really? Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah, because he was the only one I was thinking was in the right age. Because I know he retired around then. But I didn't, I didn't know he played for the Leafs, let alone was drafted by them. I knew when he came to Ottawa, again, this was before I was following hockey as closely, as closely as I am now. So when he came to Ottawa, I had no idea who he was. But everyone was like, oh, yeah, we got such a big name in Luke Richardson. And I'm like, fucking sure. Sweet. Oh, that makes me feel good. Yeah. yeah. Kind no. of. See what I mean, though? It, it... I knew you were going to be upset when you, if you didn't get it at all. Yeah, you would have been pretty bummed by that. Yeah, that was 100% a guess. All right, I'm going to put um, his, uh, oh no, that's on our Instagram story. I'm going to put what number he wore for the Senators here. There's that. Uh, this is like number two. I don't know, Luke Richardson. There we go. Luke all the Richardson. All these images are out of order on my phone. What number did he play for Ottawa? Number two. Yeah, he was number two. That's what I thought. Yeah, so Honestly, what did you think of that? That was good. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm not surprised it took me that long to get it because for those older players, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really tough for me. And yeah, like the, there's, there's such a range of guys on this list. There are, there are people that I know that I recognize I'd be able to name as being guys that played for both teams. And there are players that I've never heard of before. Yeah. Like um, just off of my head, like if we want to go recently, like we can go like Milan McCullough, Colin Greening, Jared Cowan. Um, uh, but yeah, no, don't, don't go naming off, of- yeah, don't go naming off people yet. Cause like I got a whole list of them, but yeah, uh, that's, that's fair. But the, there were three guys on this list that played fewer than a hundred NHL games. Seriously? Yeah, and you're oh, gonna so have I'm, to you're gonna have to guess some of them. I'm definitely not gonna get that right. Yeah, that's gonna be hard. Fuck. Oh well, well I'm ex- I'll I'll do a bit more of my of uh, I'll do a bit more research, and maybe I'll be able to get a little bit better at the guys who. Hey, no, don't, don't do any research. No research. This is a top. I mean, don't do any research. No, yeah. Don't do any research, okay? That, I have, like, the... no knowledge of any player that came into the league before, like, 2010. Yeah, that's why it's fun. Ah, that's... Ah! That's why it's fun. Don't do... Ah. No research. You're not allowed to do any research. That's cheating. That, that's Fine. the only time where uh, homework is frowned upon. <laughs> All right, so... Um, We'll, uh, we'll move into our uh, weekly recommendations here, and then we can start wrapping stuff up. Works for me. Here, right, you, you, you go, go first. first. No, no, no you... you go first, because I have none. You have none? Okay. I have just, none. I've got I've it pulled been... up. 
a graphic here that I made because uh, I don't remember what I've watched over the last week or so. All right, well, I'll let you do that. And I'll start by saying this. I'm back to work, as I've mentioned before, and I have very little time to actually just sit and watch anything. Usually um, uh, when I get home from work, what I do is um, uh, I do a bit of stuff on the computer, work-related, and then I work out, eat dinner, watch some YouTube, and go to bed. And then on the weekends, I'm usually hanging out with my girlfriend, and we're usually trying to keep busy so that we're not just sitting inside watching TV all day. Um, so I've been, like, I have been very much slacking on my Netflix lately, um, which could be a good thing, but I, I don't know if I have many recommendations. Um, I always say watch BoJack Horseman. It's a really depressing show, but um, the second to last episode of the entire series is my favorite episode of any television. Uh, watch Game of Thrones seasons one through four because everything else just gets frustrating. Um, and play Last of Us 2 because I've never played the first one, let alone going to get the second, but apparently they're great games. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that like uh, one of my best friends lent me the, the last of us like three years ago. I have never touched it. Uh, it just, it's not my kind of game. Uh, and I've heard nothing but depressing things about the last of us. Not that it's bad, but just that uh, it, uh, it really crushes you emotionally. And it's like, you know what? That's not really what I'm in to play video games for. <laughs> well, it's a game based on story. Like it's a storytelling game, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's very cinematic. It's very emotional. That, if if that's what you want out of a video game, it sounds like it's perfect. But uh, it's an, just it's, for me, like a video game is something I, I'm plugging into in order to shut off the rest of what's going on. And uh, I don't really want to plug into something that's going to, you know, tear my soul apart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I, I just want something that, you know, I can, uh, you know, is going to take my stress away, not amplify it. <laughs> Yeah, it's essentially an interactive movie. Yeah. Um, well, my recommendations, like I, I'm kind of thinking in the same kind of vein as you. I don't think I've watched a whole lot of new stuff over the last few weeks. Um, uh, I watched The Willowbees on Netflix. Um, it's it's an animated kids movie, but it's incredibly dark and weird. It's um i i liked it uh, my girlfriend wasn't as big of a fan but i i thought it was pretty good and yeah it's like really really dark and weird um at points but it's it's i don't know i thought it was fun um and also i'll recommend because uh, the the announcement for the playstation 5 came out uh last week and yep. there kind of some confusion about whether it's a standalone game or an expansion, but uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is going to be coming out on the PlayStation 5, and I loved the uh, Spider-Man game for PS4. It's great. Um, so I, I recommend playing the Spider-Man for PS4 if you've got it, because uh, it's it's fantastic. It's It's beautiful, and the gameplay is a ton of fun. Yeah, I... Um... I had a 360, I have a one, but I think for the next gen, I'm going to switch over to PlayStation. Yeah, I, I love the PlayStation now. Um, yeah. I don't the, think I'll be ever going back to Microsoft um, unless there's like a, a game or a franchise that I really want. Yeah, but like Xbox's uh, console exclusives are like Halo, 
Halo, which is fun, but I haven't played Halo since Halo Reach. Yeah. Uh, and anything else that they have, obviously, I don't care enough about it because I can't even think of it. Yeah. Whereas PlayStation has Last of Us. It has, um, I think, Horizon Zero Dawn. I think that's multi, multi-console, multi but that one's really good. Uh, and they're coming out with a new Horizons game as well. Well, Spider-Man then, is, Spider-Man's a PlayStation exclusive too, and that's the reason why I got a PS4 was I, yeah. I saw the Spider-Man um, uh, stuff at E3 like five years ago, and I was like, all right, well, I need to buy that when it comes out, so I'm getting a PS4, not an Xbox One. Yeah, you made the right call. I, I have the one. I don't like the one. Uh, yeah, part of it is that you re- it, it needs to be hooked up to the internet in order to be uh, like fully useful. Serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. But it is what it is, and I'm just not going to make the same mistake again. Yeah, that's right. Well, I think that's all the time we've got for this week. So yep. uh, at least until Friday anyways. So everyone stay tuned. Uh, make sure you follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter at Little, po- at little Hockey Pod. And uh, you can follow me, Jordan, at uh, jsmall1771. It took you a little while to get that there. I know. I couldn't remember what I was talking about here. I'm trying to do three things at once, and my brain is barely good enough to do one thing at a time. I know. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Um, if you want to follow me on oh, – I thought I felt a burp. Sorry, guys. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am little underscore little at our 28. Um, I would say follow me on Instagram, but that's not really a whole lot of fun. I'm not really on Instagram all that much, but follow the pod on Instagram and Twitter. Jordan's pretty active and has been really good at tweeting and staying active with the community and with the fans, which has been awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to keep that up just to get the engagement stuff going. And uh, yeah, we're getting noticed by Sean Simpson every so often, local radio guy for TSN 1200. Hopefully we Simmer. can, uh, yeah, we can um, get some more followers on there. Maybe we'll piggyback off of him a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Anyone we can piggyback off of is uh, good for us because, you know, just helps the show along. And as always, um, I'll implore you, um, please, 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 please follow. If you like the show, follow us on whatever um, platform you listen. Um, And what would actually be really helpful too is anytime that you go into your podcast app, if you could go to our page and unfollow us and refollow us that really helps out um from what i've seen a lot of um podcast app algorithms they're based they they rank podcasts based off of how many new followers you have but you know if you unfollow and refollow us that counts as a new follow so the more often you do that the higher we climb in the uh, podcast rankings and um the more people will see us and find us. And again, the more listeners we get, the more we can justify putting some more money into the show. Um, we've already upgraded our hosting package so that we can uh, bring some bonus episodes every so often. But if we get more listeners, then we can upgrade our hardware and we can sound better for you all too. Yeah, again, we're still using our Apple headphones with the mark microphone on the wire so and the also best technology yeah keep in mind that keegan and i are in the same building and we're not able to record in the same room because we don't have any microphones so it you know the more people you tell uh the more reason we have to upgrade our stuff so please by by all means uh spread the word 
follow us, unfollow and refollow, rate and re- rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we'll we'll uh, get back to reading out the um, reviews when we start getting some more, because um, we do really appreciate it. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, I think that's it. Uh, we will see you guys. Well, we'll see you during the draft lottery on Friday, June twenty sixth. Uh, as we said, we're going to do a live show there. Uh, not too sure if we're going to do it on like Twitter or Instagram or how we're going to do it. So keep your eyes and ears out for our announcement when it comes to like to anything regarding that. Uh, we'll see you then. And after that, we'll see you on the episode that we record two weeks from now. That's right. Thanks, everybody. Catch you later. Bye-bye.